You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to the latest edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack, and if you're watching this on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, thank you so much. I think we're well up over uh, 1,000 views for all of our post-game uh, episodes, some of which we do live right here on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page as soon as the game is over, including this past Thursday. Um, those are just a big old party, if we're being honest. It was. Snacks, drinks, and we rocked it. That's how we do on 4th Down in the Steel City, especially for a live post-game edition of the show. But it's available as a podcast, and you can go listen to it in case you missed our breakdown, our opinions, our thoughts on the Thursday night victory over the Tennessee Titans. And any podcast you may have missed, make sure you go to wherever you get your podcast. Josh may be pointing to it right now. Um, However you get it, follow, subscribe, download, and by all means, rate, review, leave comments as well. We appreciate all of them, even the haters. And keep come on, come keep coming on back. Yeah, I'm going to speak English today as we break down the Mike Tomlin Tuesday press conference. Uh, thank you again, however you get it, for listening. Make sure your Odyssey app, it's free. Download it today, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You uh, follow the podcast in there as well. You'll get notified as soon as new episodes are available. But a little bit of a mini buy. And so a nice long weekend for the Steelers. They get back to it today. And getting back to it includes questions about George Pickens, uh, a comparison to a pebble in the shoe, uh, questions about (laughs) both starting tackles, uh, the rookie corner who had another big game, the injury situation. But let's start with our guy, Mike Pursuta from the Steelers Radio Network, who asked a pretty straightforward question, I thought about Kenny Pickett and his performance in the first three quarters as it relates to his performance in the fourth quarter. And Mike Tomlin chose to focus on the fourth quarter 
performance rather than the first three quarters. Josh, we've talked about this all year. It's going to continue to be a thing as long as fourth quarter Kenny continues to be a thing. But it is a thing, which, by the way, we'll get into later. We'll play a rousing edition of Is This a Thing? Um, But but I appreciate his highly diplomatic answer in public. (laughs) i got to believe behind the scenes, Mike Tomlin is racking his brain just like the rest of us, trying to figure out how the heck you get Kenny picked fourth quarter Kenny to show up in the first three quarters. I, I thought I thought two things about this. One, I thought the way that Mike Tomlin was very tongue-in-cheek with Mike Pursuta about it mm-hmm. was fun. Because he goes, why didn't you just ask it from that perspective? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and, and, those, and there's a lot of back and forth there. And, and if you've right. covered that beat at any point, you, you know the relationship Mike Pursuta has with the players and with the coaching staff and with the organization in general. Mikey P is one of the best, by the way, one of the best guys over there and one of the best guys on that beat. So it's always mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and it's it's usually it, and Mikey's never a contentious guy. Not that he doesn't want to ask the tough questions because Mike does ask tough questions. But you know, I thought the way they handled that thing, chunk and cheek was pretty cool. The second thing is, and I think this is one of those things that people don't seem to appreciate about Mike Tomlin, but players do. Mike Tomlin is not going to come out and say, you know, well, Kenny needs to be better in the first three quarters of the game. He's going to say, you know what, Kenny's really great in the fourth quarter. He's going to emphasize that thing that Kenny does well. Because, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when it comes time to get ready for the week, whenever he talks to Kenny Pickett or Matt Canada or Mike Sullivan, he's going to say, look, how can we fix this problem with the first three quarters? Like, uh, it's good they have this in our back pocket. Right. I don't think that they're gonna, they're settling for that. Just because they're not freaking out about it publicly, because everybody else is freaking out about it publicly, I don't think they're actually okay with it. They're just not going to tell you that they're freaking out about it or what they're doing to fix it. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at it is it's we'd all be ignorant to not pay attention to the fact that Pickett is a different quarterback in the first three quarters than he is in the fourth quarter. Mike Tomlin is just choosing with a young quarterback that, let's be honest, he hasn't given up on yet because the organization hasn't given up on yet because, hell, half the fan base hasn't given up on him yet, uh, needs as much <laughs> positive reinforcement as he can get, right? Like. Three weeks ago, I remember sitting here talking about Kenny Pickett's confidence and the offense's confidence and how none of them had any of it, and they walk out there on the field. You know, it reminds me of, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact quote, but this is way back. Uh, There's a couple, at least a generation and a half ago. Jason Bay was with the Pirates at the time, so it gives you an idea of how old this is. And Jason Bay was asked at some point about the Pirates and just their overall demeanor. And there was a year where... I don't know, maybe they had rattled off five or six in a row. So they were playing well at the time. And everybody thought they were turning a corner, which we all now know never really happened while Jason Bay was a Pittsburgh Pirate. But everybody thought maybe they were turning a corner. And he said something to the effect of, well, we're playing like we expect to win, not like we hope to win. What I saw from the Steelers for the first time in a few weeks against Tennessee was an offense that looked like it expected to score, not like it was surprised it was scoring. And for a couple of weeks... For like a month and a half, this offense as a whole, Matt Canada in the booth, Kenny Pickett on the sideline, all of them looked like they were genuinely surprised when they scored rather than they were expecting to score. That confidence, I feel like, has turned a little bit, and I don't think Mike Tomlin wants to mess with that at all. Well, God forbid someone on this offense uses the term hope a second time this season, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. you don't want to make the same mistake twice if you're George Pickens. But no, to your point, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's... 
I think that element to it was something that probably doesn't get emphasized as much. I know it gets mentioned just because of the fact that it had been so long, but I don't think we realized just how big that first drive touchdown was. Enormous. I don't think we, uh, it, it, for this group, for any other group, it's ho-hum, whatever. For this group, it's, like, it's huge. It's like it's a high absolutely. school kid walking up to the girl that he has a crush on, thinking she's not gonna, she's not gonna say yes, she's not gonna say yes, she's not gonna say yes, and he asks her out on a date. She's like, "Yeah, sure. What are you doing Friday?" That's exactly what it was. It yeah. was, oh, I'm a man now. Look yeah. at me, first drive touchdown. It was little giants. They don't the yard. Like that's what it was. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you, you need it to get to that moment. And we had talked so much about how this offense needs to do this. This offense needs to do that. All right, you did it. What are you going to do next? And mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm thinking that that's probably what their mindset is. I'm hoping that's what their mindset is for their own sake. But yeah, like you, you got to get through that hurdle first in order to get to the next one. And I wonder, I do wonder how much Matt Canada being down there to have a more direct line of communication with Kenny Pickett mattered. Maybe Pickett's just at a point in his development where he needs to feel like he can bounce things off of Matt Canada the whole time they're on the sidelines. And, and maybe it's harder for him. I imagine it would be harder for any quarterback to walk over, pick up the phone or pick up the headset, call up to the booth and say, hey, what would you think of this? Okay. And then it, it's just different, you know? It's different when someone is right there and you can have that conversation with them face-to-face. I think that I have to believe that had some kind of impact. Yeah, and Kenny Pickett talked about it after the game. He even talked about how he says, you know, we have good discussions over the phone, but by we, he he meant him and Matt Canada, but it's a two-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. There's no one else involved with that. But he also mentioned bringing him down to the sideline. He got to interact with the other guys. He got yeah. to talk to the other coaches. And then you get to a better consensus off of what's necessary. And the thing about that first drive, Chris, you and I talked about it after the game. There was a whole lot of balance on that yeah. first drive. There's a whole lot of efficiency on that first drive. There were third downs converted on that first drive. All of that stuff was happening at the same time. Not to mention, you were getting good protection up front for Kenny Pickett. He didn't get sacked the whole game. You're getting good blocking on the offensive line. Mike Tomlin talked about Broderick Jones being inserted into the starting lineup and how much he helped in the run game, particularly at the second level, which, by the way, if you're in the scheme that this group is in, being able to get to the second level and get guys blocked out is going to help you get bigger runs that we've always been talking about that this offense needed. So all of these things are happening all at the same time. And then the result is the first round touchdown. It was almost like, like I said this before, look around like, where where are we? Where where do we end up? Because this is not familiar territory. But now that you got there, can you get to the next milestone? Right. And the other side of the coin is while the offense, I don't want to say flourished, but showed some positive signs on Thursday night. We had another difficult day for George Pickens. And you and I talked about this uh, on your Sunday afternoon show on 93.7 The Fan. I, I I am of the mind that George Pickens blowing off some steam on social media is just that. It's a 22-year-old kid. I hate to call him a kid because he's a grown man. but um, We're, as old much as, We're old enough to be his parents. We can call him kids. Exactly. I mean, as much as he's a grown man and, is, and can be responsible for grown-ass man decisions, he's still young enough that there's some immaturity in there and there's some frustration in there. And Mike Tomlin was asked about dealing with young players in that frustration. And he told Brooke Breyer, you know, when asked how, how you handle it, like breathing, it's easy. I know it's a cute story for you guys, but it's a pebble in my shoe to be quite honest with you in terms of the things that I have to do in an effort to get this group 
ready to play. It's like reality television, the way you guys follow social media and write stories about it. He's not wrong about that last part. It is. He really it's, isn't. I, 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 don't, I don't follow a lot of players on social media because, to be quite honest, 90% of what gets posted is mm, – 98% of what gets posted is meaningless to me. And I think meaningless to most fans, right? Um, but you get the 2% occasionally that makes you go, mm, really? Um, and that was what the George Pickens post was on his Instagram story last week. But in the end, I still believe it has it has no impact on the South side. It has no impact in the room. It has no impact on the field on Sunday until you see a, an outburst like that go from social media outburst, if you want to call it that, to real life outburst. And when I talked to Kabali about it, uh, he, he made a good point. He's like, you know, I, I, it doesn't really bother me at all either. Because the same thing, we're all in our mid-40s and like we don't even understand half of what's out there on social media anyway, mm -hmm. much less how to decipher it. But he said the one thing he didn't like, and there's video of it, was when Deontay Johnson scored his touchdown. Keep in mind, it's a man's mm -hmm. first touchdown in two years. There wasn't George Pickens running over to congratulate him or to be a part of the celebration. And I will agree with Kabali there. That's the one thing I will keep an eye on is mm -hmm. what happens on the, the green grass on Sundays, what happens on the sidelines? What, you know, do we get guys throwing helmets or slamming iPads or anything like that? That's when I'll start to worry about it maybe becoming a distraction. Until that stuff happens, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that was when I saw that video from that perspective near the end zone. I thought that was a pretty telling thing, too. I thought you brought good perspective to it when you and I talked Sunday afternoon and you mentioned it. And the fact that you have a 14 year old daughter, I think, helps mm -hmm. with your perspective. And I think you mentioned a part that we didn't really say out loud. He was probably really angry with himself sure. in that situation because he had the opportunity yep. to do that earlier, do that exact same thing. He didn't do it. And it was his own fault. He's probably mad at himself. And in that being mad at himself probably took away from being able to celebrate with his teammate, like whom you said hadn't scored a touchdown in two years and Pickens has scored a couple of significant ones already this season. I think looking back, he probably would regret that. Because it's one of those situations where you're kind of wallowing in your own, like beating yourself up and you, you kind of take away from everything else happening around you. And we all do that. It's just it's it's human emotion. It's the human condition. But I think what you mentioned about having a teenage daughter and dealing with the emotions and things that kids have. I think Mike Tomlin took what you said and pretty much adjusted it to his own filter, because besides having children of his own, Mike Tomlin has children that are George Pickens' age right? or around George Pickens' age. Mm -hmm. He's got one still in college playing football. So he understands right now, probably more than most of us, what a guy like George Pickens in that age group is dealing with or what he's thinking about or the different emotions running through. So he's got a handful of those kids in that age group at home or at least in his family. They may not all be at home, but you understand where I'm going with this. Yep. Who better to understand what a young 22-year-old 20, kid is dealing with than a guy who has kids in their 20s? They're going to be able to understand that and filter it a lot better than most people would. From the coaching side of it, I think he's supposed to look at it that way. I think he needs it to be a pebble in his shoe. Because if you're a head coach who makes that bigger than what it is, that's taking your attention from something else that should be a bigger problem. So I don't mind the way he's approaching it. I think that from the standpoint of being a coach, I think he's handling it the way he should. And I think from the standpoint of being a parent, having kids in that age range, he understands how to navigate that situation.
Yeah, I mean, look, whether we like it or not, we, we sometimes project our own age and experience and maturity levels onto these professional athletes. Because and the older we get, the more we do it. Yep, and the more out of touch we get with what – the more we have to remind ourselves. Exactly. Like, i got to remind myself, okay, 22, where were you, Chris? Oh, you were still in college. Mm-hmm. You were, let me think. Oh, at George Pickens' age, you were, yeah. Oh, I rem- yeah. You remember some of the things you did then? Mm-hmm. Were they wildly immature? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what would happen if social media had existed, for example, then? Mm-hmm. I don't want to. So I think we all need to take that step back and go, listen, I understand he's a professional athlete. He does carry, he, he's got to carry a little bit more responsibility on his shoulders than maybe you or I did as kids when we were in college at that age yep but we do have to remind ourselves that nobody's perfect and that each of these things that's happened along the way is a learning opportunity and you just hope that they start to stack up and he starts to accumulate that wisdom at a much younger age than to be quite honest probably either one of us did at that age because we didn't have the same harsh glare of a media spotlight or a a a, a fan group that spans the globe really uh calling us on all of our little immature mistakes that we make and in the grand scheme of things like you said as it relates to the football on the field this is a little immature mistake by george pickens that like you said he probably looks back on and says yeah i could have handled it better better but um, i just got i got in my feels and Mm -hmm. it it happens i'm sorry yeah and it also helps when you have a guy like alec robinson who i thought really had a great diplomatic answer about this. He says, look, you just, you got to keep talking to him. You got to, you know, explain to him that, you know, there are going to be days where this happens to you. And Alan Robinson has been around the league for quite some time now. He's been up and through this and he's, he's dealt with all the ups and downs. It's one of those things where, Hey, you know, you got to talk to him and say, Hey, you're going to have these days. I thought Kenny Pickett handled this really well too. And this is one of those intangible things that I think makes Kenny Pickett good for this team. I know a lot of people like to look at the negative things, but one of the intangible things that I think makes him good for this team is he's able to understand and appreciate everything that guys do and how they help. And I thought he Mm -hmm. talked about it after the game. He said, look, we're in a lot of the positions we're in right now because George attracts a lot of the attention that he does. They get double teams, so it helps out other guys in the passing game. They're worried about him on on first and second down, so it helps out the run game because that's another set of eyes that are more focused Mm -hmm. on him than maybe on the line of scrimmage. Having a guy like that not only helps you with what he does when he has the ball in his hands, but it helps you when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when the ball doesn't go in his direction, because you have to start to account for what he can do. And it kind of dovetails into what Mike Tomlin talked about on the other side of the ball with Joey Porter Jr. He says, look, one thing you guys did not talk about was him being involved with DeAndre Hopkins. That helped out a lot because anytime they ran the ball, they went opposite of Hopkins' direction. So you kind of didn't have to worry about Joey Porter Jr. figuring in and how he might handle trying to be involved with tackling a Derrick Henry or a Tajay Spears because he's handling the guy that's away from all of it because they don't run in Hopkins' direction, which I think, by the way, is a very good thing to look at and point out and exploit. So that was actually smart on their end. But when you understand what exactly the impact you have is, I think it helps your perspective more. And I think with guys like Robinson and Pickett taking him aside and saying, look, we were able to do this because of you. like, And you were able to do this earlier, but now since guys know you can do that, we're able to do this because they know you can do that. And there's going to come a time when they get focused on guys, other things, things that other guys can do, and they're going to come right back around to him, i.e. Baltimore. Baltimore became yeah. a situation 
where Baltimore's defense was more focused on what the rest of the offense can do, and it turned into a one-on-one situation outside with George Pickens, and it turned into the go-ahead touchdown that became the eventual game winner. It's just a matter of being able to handle one side of the ledger and balance it out with the other side. So I want to have time to get to is this a thing because we have a multitude of issues, and I want to get into the strength of schedule thing that I took a look at this morning inside uh, my eye-opener column for 93.7thefan.com. But a couple more just personnel issues real quick. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick sounds like by the end of the week may be out there on the practice field. I don't know how much I'm holding my breath for that. Um, doesn't sound like Mark Robinson's immediately going to get launched into the inside linebacker rotation. It's just going to be a Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander, which I'm fine with. I'll miss yes. Cole Holcomb, but as will it, I, especially in Absolutely. coverage. Um, he was fantastic but, in coverage, uh, which Landon Roberts is, I worry about, but here nor there. Um, yeah, and then, the, and then, the, but it sounds like they are open though to using Keanu Neal in some of those situations, which I like. But uh, the tackle situation, I, I'm trying to read between the lines a little too much here, maybe. But to me, this sounds like Broderick Jones is starting at right tackle again on Sunday, and Mike Tomlin just doesn't want to commit to that yet. You got an or on the depth chart. You got some quotes that sound like, "Yeah, uh, we'd like to get a, a longer look at that." Yeah, Dan Moore is much better on the left side. Yeah, Chooks definitely screwed up in whatever he did towards the end of the Jacksonville game. This is all lining up towards Chooks for in that cap hit, maybe at the end of the year, being a sayonara because they found their guy at the right tackle spot. I'm going to take this all the way back to the end of last year. I was on the Lockdown Steelers podcast with Chris Carter, and we were talking about specific guys that could potentially be cap casualties down the road. And the one guy we got to was Shooks or Corfor. And I, I used this term back then. I said, this, this had to be a poo or get off the pot season for Shooks. And it looks like the Steelers are getting off the pot. It, it just has that yeah. feeling to it. Yeah. And I, I'm with you on this. It's like, you don't want to read too far between the lines, but sometimes with Mike Tomlin, you have to. Because we, remember we said last week, the, bad, the bagpipe isn't always going to say no. Right. And for the second week in a row, the bagpipe didn't say no, which leads me to believe. And then you see that or on the depth chart, Usually college teams do that. NFL teams don't do that often. So if you see an or there, there's that shadow of a reasonable doubt that usually has a lot more weight in in the courtroom. Right. Weight in the situation too. That or says a lot to me, which leads me to believe that Broderick Jones is going to be the guy. And honestly, looking at the tape, how do you say no at this point? Because everything Broderick Jones does it kind of outweighs the things that Chooks can do. We're not just talking about can he pass block, can he run block. We're not just talking about that. We're talking about can you wipe Harold Landry off the off the zip code on the outside in the pass block game. Right. We're talking about can you get to the second level and take dudes out and spring Najee Harris for a 10-yard run on the first drive of the game type stuff. That stuff Broderick Jones does, and that's stuff that we never saw Chooks Accord for do. So I think it's pretty simple at this point. Yeah, and, and they don't eat too much of a dead cap hit if they were exactly. to walk away from him in the offseason. They may even just keep him around as the swing tackle because Maybe. It's, it's, it's not a terrible problem to have to have three guys that are capable of starting a tackle uh, and having one, obviously, that you really believe in now. Hopefully they really believe in Broderick Jones by now. Starting the right tackle makes a ton of sense.